Um, I like to say that hitting refresh is not a one-time act. So I think, you know, the people mm. that are doing that. Say that again. I love Hello, beautiful people, and welcome back to A Living Color Abroad. I'm your host, Ainge Rodriguez. And in this episode, you'll be listening to Seppi, who is going to discuss how to move abroad as a woman over 30. Now, Seppi has been living in Spain for over five years, and she has cultivated an online community called She Hit Refresh on Facebook that has over 10,000 members of women sharing their stories of living abroad and ask questions as a community where everyone shares valuable insights. She talks about her book titled I'm Out of Here, An American's Ultimate Visa Guide to Living in Europe, as well as some tips on some different types of visas that one could obtain to live abroad, the different reasons that women over 30 want to entertain the idea of living abroad, and finally, why in life you might have to hit refresh more than once. Hope you enjoy. This is A Living Color Abroad. Seppi, welcome to In Living Color Abroad. How you doing? I'm doing great. Thank you so much for having me on, Angel. No, thank you. I appreciate you taking the time and for reaching out. It's so funny because I was thinking about, you know, I've from my episodes I have, you know, I focus on different countries, but I also want to focus on different areas of living abroad. And of course, you just pop up, right, in my in my DMs. You're like, hey, I know about living abroad. And, you know, I wrote a book and I've been featured on Forbes talking about living abroad after 30. I'm like, amazing. <laughs> I'm like, this is awesome. great. This is fantastic. <laughs> so I'm, I'm excited to hear about your expertise. But before we get into that, please part, tell our listeners a little bit about yourself, please. Sure, sure. Um, yeah, so my name is Seppi, rhymes with peppy is what I say. <laughs> and I'm originally from Houston, Texas. That's where I grew up. Uh, my mother is from Colombia and my dad is from Iran. Um, and I live in none of those countries right now. I actually have <laughs> been living in Spain for the last seven years. Wow, wow, wow. Okay, so let's start right, right from the beginning. So uh, growing up, like you said, uh, Colombian and Iranian, is that you would say, someone from Iran? Yeah, Iranian. Iranian, mm-hmm. sorry, Ira- Iranian. So how, what was that like? Because that's that's one uh, mix I haven't heard too much of. So tell me what that was like growing right? up for you. Yeah, well, it was a, a, a bit of a struggle in the sense that, you know, you had kind of have an identity crisis as a child. Um, <laughs> because, um, you know, so I'm going to, and we'll talk about age on this podcast, so I'm very transparent with my age. So I'm 42, so I grew up in the 80s. Hmm. Um, and at the time, I'm not sure that diversity was at the stage it is now as it's so celebrated. And back then I knew that my parents were different than a lot of the friends that I had that were, you know, let's say white. And I just wanted to be white. I remember wanting to change my name or wanting to be called Stephanie instead of Seppi because people always got it wrong and it was like a different name. And so there was a bit of a struggle in internally. And also my parents, you know, well, they came from countries, the very rich cultures, and they maintained their language and cultures with their siblings, with their parents, they didn't share a lot of that with me. I mean, in in my house, I grew up with, you know, Latin music, Persian music, and I heard my parents speaking their languages, Uh, but they didn't really, you know, um, lean in and teach me about the places that they came from. And so uh, it was, you know, a little bit different growing up. You know, when I look at kind of my friends who grew up with both parents who were Persian 
or both who were Colombian or Latin, they have a certain access to the culture that I feel like I missed out on growing up that I'm, you know, kind of trying to, um, to learn about and reclaim now that I'm an adult. Mm, that's so interesting. Do you think that was intentional by them? Well, my mom says, you know, I always asked her why she never taught me Spanish. You know, I could have been trilingual growing up and already been on my like sixth or seventh language by now. <laughs> but uh, she said, you know, people had told her that I would get confused if she tried to teach me both languages, which I think is pretty weird because she when she moved to the U.S., she did not speak um English and she she learned that fine when she was young coming over. So I don't know. She, they had their reasons and it is what it is. But luckily I have learned Spanish now living in Spain. Um, but Farsi, which is what they speak in Iran, is, is one that I haven't grasped yet. Mm, so interesting. So at what point, Seppi, did you feel like, mm -hmm. huh, abroad? Sounds interesting. <laughs> Yes. You know, it's so funny, like growing up with, uh, you know, multicultural household and having, you know, my grandparents from Iran come visit us and my grandmother who was living back and forth between Miami and Colombia. You know, I had a lot of internationalness in my household, mm -hmm. but I never, you know, when my mom tried to teach me Spanish when I was seven, I rejected that. And like going abroad was nothing I was interested in <laughs> until high school when I befriended all of these foreign exchange students or people whose families had moved to, to the U.S. from Europe and became best friends with a Dutch girl, Swiss girl, German girl. And uh, for my 17th birthday, I begged my father to buy me a ticket to go to the Netherlands to visit my best friend who had, had since moved back to the Netherlands. And so I did get to go. And on that trip to the Netherlands, it just blew my mind. It was the first time I had really been outside of the U.S. And, you know, in my little mind, it was like the Netherlands is going to be like the same as America. They just speak Dutch. And mm. I went and obviously it was very different. And so that one trip just sparked this whole uh, obsession with travel that, um, you know, not only did I want to travel, but I had the idea that I wanted to move abroad. Uh, of course, I, you know, had to finish high school, go to college and all of that. <laughs> but um, fast forward a little bit to 2006, um, when I was 26, I um, was able to get into a program that's pretty popular here in Spain to come over as a language assistant. So I got to spend my first year abroad in Spain um, at 26. And that's where it was just kind of um, see, like, embedded in me that a life abroad is what I wanted to have. Although getting there took a, quite a while to figure that out. But right. uh, in my 20s, I knew it was something for me. So let's talk about that. Right? You said when you were 26 and you found this program, how did you go about even researching this or finding about, about, about what Spain had to offer? Right. Well, back then, it was also a very different world. So I don't know exactly what age range your audience is, but, you know, Facebook and online and Instagram, all that wasn't really a thing. Um, but there was a forum on there called, I think, Dave's ESL Lounge. And so it was just in there. I think he had uh, a lot of it was around teaching English abroad, which was kind of the one path at the time for a lot of people who wanted to to live abroad. And I just saw it in the forum, saw it posted somewhere. And I kind of looked into it and I I applied and I got accepted and I was like, okay, I guess I'm moving to Cordoba, Spain, whatever and wherever that is. And did you know you just only wanted to go to Spain or you were open to anywhere in Europe at that time? Uh, actually, I was open to anywhere in Europe. At the time, I was actually, you know, kind of moving for love. At the time, I was in a relationship, and my boyfriend at the time was doing a master's. He was from the U.S., doing a master's in Geneva, Switzerland. But And we can talk more about the visa situation, but visas are so hard to get. And I was unable to get a visa to go to Switzerland as an American. So the next closest thing was Spain. So off mm. to Spain, I went. 
I see, I see. And this episode is not particularly about Spain, but of course, we got to know about your history. It's to talk about all the wonderful things you've done, you know, since then. So, Spain, you what were your what were you thinking about in your mind before you got there? Yeah, actually, before I moved here, I had spent a summer abroad before a few years before that and studied uh, Spanish in Madrid. And mm. I have to say, I fell in love with Spain. I was like, okay, this is the utopia. I don't know. This Madrid place <laughs> is where it's at. It's just a very um, energetic, vibrant city. So especially if you're somebody who's very social and likes the energy of people and have a big city, it was the perfect place. So um, I just always love that about Spain. Coming from Houston, a city where you need to drive. Um, and was it Houston? I love, but it was never, never felt like the city for me. And sometimes I don't know if you guys can relate, but you sometimes have these Goldilocks moments when you travel of like one place maybe isn't exactly the right fit. That one's not exactly, but then you find your perfect place in Madrid and Spain was always that for me. And so um, after I went there in, in 2006 and taught English, I kind of chased trying to make a life in Spain happen. But as I mentioned, teaching English kind of felt like the only path at the time. And, and that's not what I wanted to do. So I, I came back to Spain many times back and forth between Spain and the U.S. I, I did a master's. Um, and then in 2015, uh, seven years ago, I was, you know, living in, in Austin, Texas and had a comfortable life. And I thought, you know what, let me try the Spain thing one more time <laughs> and try to make it work on my terms. And let's see what happens. You got that itch again. You got that itch again. So, yes. so you got your, what, did, what did you get your master's in? I got my master's in international relations. Very cool. Seems very, you know, makes sense. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. And at the time I was, you know, really wanted to, I had studied marketing my undergrad. So at the time I wanted to make a big shift and, and kind of work um, in on the field in, you know, development or education, really in the Middle East. So I was looking for jobs in Iran and Palestine and Jordan. Um, my life didn't turn out that way, but that was my plan at the time. Got it. Got it. So now take us to, to you know, what at what moment, you know, you get, you've lived abroad, right? You had all these experiences. You went back to Austin. You're like, all right, I got this itch again. At what moment did you start to craft this idea of, I want to help others on this journey of living abroad? Take us through that. Yeah, yeah. So as I do now is I help women over 30 who want to move abroad. And this all came about from my own experience. After I moved here in 2015, um, I taught English and then I got out of that and I got a work visa sponsored by a Spanish startup and then I got into remote work. And on this journey, I think my friends back home who are witnessing kind of the growth that I was going through and the change and just how happy I was with my life here, a lot of my friends are asking me how I did it. You know, um, my peers who are around my same age, um, how I did it, wasn't I scared? You know, what were the risks of moving abroad? What about my career? What about getting married and kids and all of these things? There was a lot of fears that they had around possibly doing something similar. And, you know, I just thought, let me start a Facebook group and like put all these women in there that have questions. And then I was meeting so many incredible women in Madrid who had done the thing that I had done. I'm like, let me put them in the Facebook group and we can just share knowledge together. And, um, I could not have foreseen like how well that idea just took off. It was just an idea as a, you know, something to connect people. But within one year I had 4,000 women from all over the world in wow. the group. And that just happened kind of word of mouth. Wow. 
That's it. It's incredible, right? This idea is just spark interest in, in other people that are going through similar things. I think that's just a, such an awesome thing. So again, so you, you had this idea and you mentioned that, you know, moving, helping women to move abroad over, uh, you know, after 30. So I think this is important, right? And I'm glad we're, we're focusing specifically on women because I've, I've spoken to a lot of women um, on the podcast. And, you know, obviously the societal pressures, like you mentioned, of like having children, of settling down, it might, it looks a little bit different, right, for women than it might look for men, Right. Like, for example, just purse anecdotal, but, you know, my mom is not asking me when I'm having kids. I'm sure if I was a woman at the age of 32, she might be asking that a little bit more. (laughs) You know what I mean? So I think that there's a real thing, the societal pressure. And then you said internal pressure that you might feel yourself. So take us through what what is, you know, not only what is being shared in the community, but what are some fears or some, you know, things that might make people hesitant, women hesitant to move abroad um, after 30? Yeah, definitely. And that is so true. I mean, that's why I get a lot of questions about why just women, why over 30? I think there's just different um, factors that we're dealing with when you're talking about women over 30. When I moved abroad, there was a lot of resources for women taking a gap year straight out of college. But Mm. someone who's 22 is experiencing a very different life than I was at 35, right? Because, you know, as we get older, we have more responsibilities. We may have a mortgage, a car note, student loans. We're worried about our health care. We're no longer in our parents' health care. So if we quit our job to move abroad. How are we going to, what are we going to do about that? We're thinking about taxes. So there's so many things like that. And in addition, as you mentioned, when we talk about women, there are those other pressures of of internal, external. I'm so glad you mentioned that um, about, you know, getting married and kids, if you haven't already done that and kind of like this, um, you know, clock that's ticking as you approach 40 or even, you know, older than that. So a lot of the women in the group, I would say their concerns do revolve around um, maybe just upholding those responsibilities that they feel that they need to, those societal pressures. So they are just afraid to do something that's really outside of the box. And I'm using air quotes because there are so thousands, hundreds <laughs> of thousands of people who move abroad every year. So it's not so outside of the box. But a lot of questions are about career. So how will this affect my career if I move abroad? Um, finances is a big one. People are always scared and they always think, you know, you have to be quite wealthy to make a move abroad. But a lot of people are also worried about um, maybe, you know, meeting a partner you know, how, I don't know how that could jeopardize, you know, if you move abroad, but that was something that my family actually asked me about, you know, how was that going to affect my prospects, I guess, of meeting someone or having kids if I was uprooting my life somewhere, which you can meet someone anywhere. So um, I think a lot of the questions are on, yeah, career and finances and maybe a little bit about, um, yeah, romances as well. Right, right, right. And I think, like I said, it's, it's a spectrum, right, of, of concerns that many people have about about moving abroad. And what in particular do you feel like, from your experience, that you're like, yes, I can help you because of X, Y, Z? Yeah, yeah. I think, you know, I've just had so many different experiences. You know, I first went abroad uh, when I was 17, so that was a long time ago, and trying to make it work in Spain on and off. I feel like I've hit all of the obstacles I've co- overcome so many that I can really help women in their journey. And not only in Spain, but, you know, I spent time in Israel and Palestine. Um, And so I think I can help women with any kind of fears and doubts that they have and just help them see that it is more possible than than they think. I mean, really, my specialty is helping people understand what visas they need to move abroad, because even if you have the confidence and you know where you want to move to, you can't just pick up and leave. You really have to understand legally how you can make that work long term, right? And so, you know, I've been in Spain. 
like three or four different visas. And I really understand, you know, what visa options people have, especially when coming to Europe. And I think that's where my expertise comes in is to really help women uh, gain the clarity that they need so they know how to do it, but also gain that confidence to know that they can do it. That's that's amazing because like you you hit it perfectly. Like I when I moved to Costa Rica, my job right they did most of the heavy legwork for me. They're just like, all right, go to this office, get this document, apostle. I hate that word. Uh, get you know get this stamped, get this stamped. I'm like, all right, I'll do that. But, you know, they they helped a lot along the way. I there's no way I don't think I would be able to do it if they didn't do a lot of that for me, right? Like they had their lawyers or whatever. So take us, I mean, take us through this process of if someone is like, you know what. I'm going to do this on my own. Like I said, and I'm 30, right? It's not like I'm 20. Mm-hmm. So 21, that's a completely different life experience than being over 30 and having different, you know, like I said, career-wise, you might already have a career. How are you going to uproot mm-hmm. your career? So take us through what's maybe the number one thing, if for those that are listening, if you're over 30 and you, you want to move somewhere else abroad or you want to initially leave abroad from wherever you're located, what's probably the number one thing they should have in their mind before they make that move? Yes. Okay, I'm going to give two things because two things came to mind. <laughs> number one is that it's never too late, too late, too late, and you're never too old. So 30 is so young, but I know when you are 30 and around 30, you feel like you should have it all figured out. And so you're never too old to make this move. So you're at a prime time to make this move. But another thing you need to have in mind is um, how are you going to finance your, your move in the sense of like, how are you going to support yourself abroad? And so that opens up a lot of questions there because that means... Are you able to take the job you have and take that and work remotely with that? Do you have to find a new job abroad? Can you find a new remote job? I think the finances is the number one because that'll also help you understand what kind of visa you should be looking for because there are are digital nomad visas which are popping up left and right. So if you can take your remote job, then that's probably a great way for you to move to one of many countries around the world. But if you can't do that, maybe you you have a highly specialized skill and maybe you can actually try to apply for jobs within the country that you're looking to move to. And so I think really number one is understanding the finances and then that can help you understand what are the next things you have to figure out. Awesome, awesome. And you said you started this page when? What year? So I started it in 2017, yeah, just yeah. for fun. And it has really blown up the past few years. Right, you said over 10,000 10, 10, members currently, right? Yes, Right, that's amazing, yes. amazing, amazing. So what have you noticed change from... When you started this page, you know, 2017. So now what has changed in this idea of moving abroad for women after 30? What have you noticed? Yeah. So um, I think, you know, with the pandemic, that changed everything because Mm. pre-pandemic, we were really helping women try. A lot of women wanted to untether their lives and move abroad, but it was like the job thing was the hard thing. Most people were working, you know, a nine to five in the office. So a lot of people were trying to figure out how to get a remote job, what they needed to do to get a remote job. Remote job was like this thing everyone was striving for. And then the pandemic happened and everybody's working remote. So so that really opened up a lot of opportunities. And I think we just had a big boom in our community of people finding us because now that people had understood that they can untether their lives a lot easier and remote jobs were easier to obtain, they were looking at the, the many different options that they had to change their lives. So we have so many more women now that come in and ask about you know how they can move abroad, um, how they can take their work abroad, or how can they find jobs that will let them work from anywhere in a way that we, you know, didn't talk about, I think, before the pandemic. I think more people just understand how much more possible it is for them to to make a new life abroad. Right, right, right. You said that, I mean, 20, the pandemic changed everything, right, for everyone. Mm-hmm, <laughs> so, yeah, mm-hmm, definitely yeah. 
and I, and I feel that myself. I feel like I'm noticing more talk about this idea of just going abroad. Way more since, because I moved uh, 2019. So right before the six months before the pandemic hit, I moved abroad. And like, yeah, people were talking about it. But once after the pandemic, I just saw that it was like a boom. I'm like, yeah, a lot of people, a lot more people are interested in moving abroad, which I think is obviously an amazing thing. <laughs> so, okay. Yes, so, so how do you, because again, I, you know, in me having this podcast, you know, obviously I want to promote you know, uh, people of color, marginalized people to move abroad, right? And, and see faces, right? Yes. See mirrors in, in, in when they're lo- looking to move abroad. For you, yep. in the position you hold, right? Like you said, you already have you have a book, and we're going to talk about that a little, a little bit later. You know, you've been featured mm-hmm. on Forbes. You have this community of 10,000 people. Where do you feel like your role is as like a facilitator in like making sure, okay, am I giving the right tools? Um, Like, wh- I guess what goes through your mind and you living your own life that you're doing right, not just by you, obviously, most importantly, but by these women. Like, what what goes through your mind throughout this whole thing? Yeah, I think that's a great point. I mean, I love that you talk, touched on the women of color. That's something that I definitely want to speak more about. I mean, I'm helping women over 30, but definitely, you know, there's a lot of Latinas and Black women in our community, and I, I love seeing the women out there who are doing radical things with their lives through travel, and I definitely want to highlight that more just to let the, you know, the women in my community know that this is possible for everybody, even if we come from backgrounds that it's not encouraged for us to maybe take the unconventional path, or, you know, many of us who maybe are children of immigrants and our parents work so hard mm-hmm. to bring, you know, bring us to the U.S. or have us in the U.S. so they we could have these incredible opportunities. And then, you know, we feel guilty about leaving that to go pursue a life somewhere else. Um, so I definitely want to highlight that. But in general, when it comes to my community, I'm a very active member of my community. So if you do join the Facebook group, you will see me in there commenting. And I just like to have my ear on the ground there to understand what people are talking about and what they need so that I can create things that are of value to them. Because as a business owner, of course, you're always interested in creating things that are going to make money. But at the same time, I want to create a product that I'm, um, or a brand that I'm proud of. And so I really want to give people what they want. And I would say that's how She Hit Refresh started as a business. Like when I first started it, it was not a business idea, but the community kept asking us, you know, um, do you have any blog posts? Okay, so then we started the blog. And then there was questions about, have you ever thought about running a retreat? And I was like, no, okay. And then we ran a retreat. And then, you know, it just kind of expanded from there. So I really listened to what people need, um, and then I try to create resources and value around that so that, you know, like I said, I want to help empower women. I want to give them the clarity and the confidence they need, and so I just listen to them, and I, you know, make my decisions based on that. I think that's so important and so well said, because I think, like you said, obviously you have a you have an important role to play, right? And and anyone's living abroad, we, we do, right? Like you mentioned marginalized groups, right? Whether you're a woman of color, a person of color, you know, we have a small part to play in this, right? Or how small, how large it is by listening. Like you said, we only could create these organic movements, right? Like you said, and we're going to, perfect segue, we're going to talk about, that was next, She Hit Refresh was in my mind that you mentioned, so we're on the same, we're on the same wavelength here, um, you know, about listening to what people want and what people need and what helps them, right? And that's also why my podcast, oh, I'm like, I think people need to hear this, right? They need to hear from more specific, specific groups of people, and I'm 30, Shit, I would, I would, I would like to know what it would be like, you know, ne- my next stop to move abroad over thirty if I'm li- leaving somewhere else, you know, or a different career mm-hmm. path. So this is very important, not only for women of color and women in general, but also for myself. I could take things n- nuggets from what you're saying to help my life. So I definitely appreciate that. So now let's talk about Amazing. shit. She hit refresh. Okay, you said where the mm-hmm. idea started from. Where are you going with it now? What, what? T- take me through the process of what's happening now with she hit refresh. 
Yeah. So like you mentioned, we have grown, we hit the five figures in terms of members, which is crazy. So we've hit 10,000 members. Um, I wrote the book that I'm out of here an Americans ultimate visa guide to living in Europe. Because again, from the community, people wanted to move to Europe. They thought it was impossible. And I knew that it wasn't. And so I compiled all the, the 18 easiest countries to move to and, and research, you know, over 50 visa viable visa options. So just listening to the community. So we have the book that, that, um, I started a YouTube channel to try to reach even more people and, and spread the word. So kind of, you know, looking at 2023, the next logical step for me is something that I've had on my mind for the past few years is really creating that how to move abroad course. I, I ran a few workshops this year because a lot of the questions I get in the community are about, um, you know, kind of the basics of moving abroad, what to do with my cell phone or what do I do with my mail? What about taxes? You know, what kind of liabilities will I have? Healthcare, pets, all kinds of stuff. And so I ran a few workshops this year to test it out and had great feedback uh, from those that attended. And I really want to go deeper into the information that I share. So working on a how to move abroad uh, um, course that hopefully I'll be launching um, sometime in the first half of next year. That's amazing. I'm looking, I'm looking forward to that. People listening should be looking forward to that as well. So you have all these different endeavors, right? And, and it all starts with something small. First, from your personal experience, then it kind of just, you know, blossoms into this amazing thing, the Facebook page, she refresh, and then your book. So now let's talk about this. Because, you know, when you think about writing a book, you know, First of all, I haven't thought about that myself, but what came into your mind like, yeah, I should write a book? Like you said, people told you to, but that has to be a crazy endeavor. What is it like to write a freaking book? <laughs> right? Oh my God. I never thought that I would write a book. So it wasn't something that was on my bucket list. Um, but you know what? I um, had created, it all came from a blog post that I wrote about the four easiest countries to move to in Europe. And that kind of, it didn't go viral, but it went viral in my terms. So it just was the, the post that garnered so much traffic. And somewhere, I don't even know where I grasped the idea, because that was like February of uh, of twenty. 2020, it was right before the pandemic. And I thought, you know what, I should expand on this because there are a lot of countries in Europe that people can move to. And uh, that was going to be my project. I was like, okay, well, April, May, I'm going to try to do the research and write this book, not knowing anything what I was doing. I, I relied on Google quite a bit to understand how to put a book together. Um, and I was just going to take a few months to myself before we even knew about this pandemic to, to write. And then the pandemic hit and I'm like, okay, well, I'm home alone and I have a lot of free time. So I think I'm going to try to write this book. Um, I will say, you know, I ha I'm not a writer. You know, that's not my background. But with the blog that I started with She Hit Refresh, I had gained a lot of experience just writing for the blog. And I just put that experience to use in the book. And I have to say, it was really hard. I had to be super disciplined and really have, you know, strict work hours so that I could show up every day, even on the days that I didn't want to, because researching... 50 some odd visas or even more was not the most fun work out there, I can say. It gets really repetitive. Um, and so trying to to write about that for months on end, yeah, what, it did become a chore at one point. So I really had to be really um, diligent about getting it done. But I did get it done. And of course, nothing that we ever do, especially of greatness, is done by ourselves. Right. You know, I wrote the book, but I had an amazing editor that helped me. Um, I went to my community to get feedback. And so it really was, you know, a lot of hands that were helping me um, bring this dream to fruition. 
that's just, I mean, first of all, congratulations. That's amazing. 50 V, I mean, sounds like the most tedious work I've ever, I've ever heard of, but, <laughs> <laughs> but you got it done. And that sounds, I mean, again, it's a resource and a extremely vital resource for anyone that's thinking about moving abroad. It's like, yeah, I need to get a visa. How the hell do I obtain a visa? Right. You don't think about these things when you're, you're grounded, right. And whatever you were, whatever country you happen to be born in. Right. But these are things that are real concerns. Yeah. Where you're thinking about moving abroad and making your life somewhere else. So obviously, we want people to pick up the book and things like that. But tell me, just if you give me some quick t- uh, tidbits in terms of what were some like big aha moments for you in the process of writing like this book of like, oh man, that kind of surprised me. Yes, um, I think how many options there were. You know, even myself having been on a few different visas here in Spain. Um, and having peers in Europe, you know, that were American or from the UK who had made a life in other countries, I didn't realize there were so many options to live in Europe. Like, I wish I had known all of these things back in the 2000s and my 20s when I was trying to figure out how to make a life abroad work. I didn't realize, you know, there's opportunities to live in France if, you know, if you can meet the financial requirements for the visa. You know, I would have loved to have lived in France in my 20s if I could. I just didn't think it was possible mm-hmm. that there's opportunities, you know, to live in Croatia or live live in Italy and all of these countries that I really didn't think that, you know, you could make it happen if you, you know, I just thought, you know, also you had to be rich or you had to be a student and go to university abroad or you had to marry European. And I was surprised at how much more accessible it is than we actually think. And I think a lot of that was because that information wasn't readily available out there. And so someone just needed to like grab it all and put it together in one place. And I was really surprised that nobody had done that yet. So I was like, okay, well, let's, let's, let's do this. As you, you open the vault and we thank you for it. <laughs> so, and that's the thing, right? We can't, we can't be like, you know, the gatekeepers of like, you know, this is just for me and only for me. And for, no, it's like, we have to share the things through your experiences and then hope, and obviously what it brings value to others as well. So I think that's awesome that you have, you have that resource for everyone out there. And okay. Thank so you. you have, you know, <laughs> Rowan, I keep thinking about the 50 visas. That's just in my head. I'm like, oh my God, that must have been <laughs> That's like, man, geez, Louise. Okay, so what, what, speaking about visas, right, we're on this talk right now. What visa are you currently on, Seppi? Yes, so that is a great question. So the latest visa that I have been on in Spain is one called the non-lucrative visa. And that's a visa that I have been on since, I think, 2017. <laughs> Excuse me. Um, And that's a visa that allows you to live in Spain, but you can't really participate in lucrative activities. So Hmm. it's kind of a downer because at the time when I applied for it, um, you were able to work remotely for a company outside of Spain on that visa. And when I, you know, renewed it, you still were. But as of 2019, the consulates in the U.S. were not accepting. They were actually rejecting applications of anyone who was stating that they were going to be working remotely. You basically would have to apply to this visa and have about 30 thousand dollars in savings to be able to qualify for this they didn't want you to participate in any kind of work activities so i wasn't that but this year something really major happened i actually became a spanish citizen so wow. i have no need for visas anymore congratulations yes. that's a round of applause right there that's amazing wow Thank you so much. That I still can't believe I'm still in disbelief, but I definitely want to mention this because I got my Spanish citizenship through my Colombian heritage. So this is something also I didn't know about, you know, five, 10 years ago. So I would love to share this information for anyone out there who is from a Latin American country or the Philippines. Um, if you are and you have citizenship from that country, so 
I was not born in Colombia, but since my mom was, I was able to obtain Colombian citizenship about four years ago. Mm. Um, and so if you are, a, a, if you hold a citizenship from a country in Latin America, there's certain ones, but it's quite a few of them. Or the Philippines, you can apply for Spanish citizenship after only two years of living here legally. So you only have to live here for two years and then you can apply, um, which if you are, if you know, if you're a U.S. citizen, you have to live in Spain for 10 years before you wow. can apply for citizenship. So it really cuts down the time on that. Yeah, what a what a workaround. I mean, colonialism it worked out somewhat in the <laughs> <laughs> right? work. At out. least we get something out of it. <laughs> Wait, so time out. So you you uh you applied for Colombian citizenship? Yes, I, I realized that I that I could and that it was also a pathway to Spanish citizenship. So I applied for my Colombian citizenship here from Spain in Madrid at the Colombian um, embassy. And uh, it took maybe like a year and a half to, to get all the paperwork and get it done. But yeah, so you I have, have, you have three citizenship. passports. You have how many passports do you have? Yeah, I have three passports. I have awesome. the Colombian, the American, and now the Spanish. Wow, that's um, you have a lot more than most people do, clearly. <laughs> <laughs> Talk about being really international. Jesus Louise, that's awesome. I mean, first of all, that I definitely would have never thought about that. That like, wow, you get that citizenship by living in Spain two years if you come from one of the countries they colonized. This is great to know. Yes. Um, yes. It, it worked out. Um, <laughs> but okay, so we, we, we focus on, on, on the visa you're currently on. All right, talk to me about, because I think this is, I think a lot of people listening to this, and I'm sure in your community this is definitely spoken about, the digital nomad, right? Um, yeah. mm -hmm. th this, is a, this is a big thing, because again, you mentioned the pandemic, and obviously people working remotely. Mm -hmm. So take us a little bit, and I, don't give us the whole spiel, because obviously people need to read your book and, and look at your resources, but... Has, is this more easier to obtain now because of the pandemic or was this always a thing? Yes. No. So the digital nomad visas started before the pandemic, but there weren't that many. As far as I know, I think Estonia might have been the first country that came out with one. And I don't know which year they actually came out with it, but let's say it was probably after 2015, but before the pandemic. Um, but then after Estonia and definitely during the pandemic, a lot of countries dropped these digital nomad visas. There's a lot in uh, in Europe. There's a lot in the islands and the Caribbean there um, and a few more spotted around the world but it is so much easier now to move abroad with a digital nomad visa. The difference, though, is a digital nomad visa isn't a long-term means to living in a particular country. You can definitely change countries on digital nomad visas and spend, you know, a year in Croatia, a year, I don't know, in um, somewhere in Latin America. But uh, definitely if you're thinking about maybe just testing the waters of living abroad or just want to live in a certain country for a year or two, digital nomad visa is definitely going to be your fastest ticket in. You do have to to have a job or, you know, own a company or, you know, have a means of income. You do have to meet um, certain income thresholds can that will range from anywhere from about $2,000 a month to all the way to, I've seen like $9,000 a month, depending on the country. Uh, but this is a very, very, very viable way for people to be able to live abroad um, and take their job and take their work with them. Mm. That's definitely good to know. Um, so, okay, you mentioned Digital Nomad. You're on this non-lucrative, I love the name of non-lucrative uh, <laughs> visa. Right. Cannot make any money, all right? Non-lucrative here. Um, okay, so now that you've been doing this, right, you've been living in Spain for the past five years. Um, tell us about what, okay, so you, the book that you have, right, let's talk about a little bit more about the book, you know, about, I'm not, what, what is it called? Tell me again the title. I don't want to butcher it. I'm out of here. I'm out of here. I'm out of here. That's easy for me to say as a New Yorker. I'm out of here. I like that. I'm out of here. So 
you wrote this book about Europe. Obviously, you're living in Europe. What is it you feel, though, particularly about Europe, that the process that it might be maybe differs from, let's say, Latin America or, you know, the, the Americas? What is it about Europe and maybe being a part of the EU? Does that make maybe the process a little bit easier or is still completely different in, like, one country to the next country? Yes. So, yes, I, I love that you asked that question because also when you had asked, like, kind of what's next on the horizon, I am eyeballing Latin America as a next book as a I'm out of your visa guide for Latin America. So we'll see if that comes out maybe the end of next year. Um, but there are differences, yes. I would say Europe just is a lot more difficult from what it seems in terms of coming here and getting permission to live here. I know in Latin America, the, it's a little more lax, especially if you're coming from the U.S. to be able to stay a little bit longer. <clears throat> um, but in, in, in Europe, though, because a lot of countries are part of the Schengen, um, there are a lot of barriers to entry for people who want to stay longer than a tourist visa of 90 days. So for instance, just even like getting a work visa here is very, very difficult because let's say you want to try to apply and get a job in Spain. Well, an employer in Spain would have to do kind of a labor market test and prove that. Not only does nobody in Spain have the skills um, that you have, but that nobody in all of the European Union or the Schengen countries um, have that skill. So it is much more difficult to find a path to long-term living in Europe uh, than it is in Latin America. Not to say that Latin America is super easy. That's why I'm also thinking of writing a book about there, uh, because right. I know there are a lot more, I guess, known ways of being able to stay in Latin America longer, but I think there's a lot of places where uh, people just don't know there are opportunities there, including myself. I have to do a lot of research on this, but also digital nomad visas are popping up there as well. Right. And, and I think in my community, a lot of people want to move to Europe, but I think the next, the second most popular region is Latin America. People want to move there, one, for proximity to the U.S., especially if you're over 30. You have to think about, you maybe also have parents that are aging, you want to be close by to help them out, or you just want to be able to, you know, get home quickly for whatever reason. Also, Latin America in general is going to be less expensive than a lot of European countries. And so a lot of people want to move there because of that. And then, of course, Spanish isn't the only language in Latin America, but a lot of people in the U.S. either have studied Spanish or have some kind of affinity for Latin culture, and so they are drawn to spending time in Latin America as well. So definitely would want to highlight uh, the opportunities in Latin America. Yeah, very, all very, very, very true. Um, okay, so we've spoken a lot about, you know, we spoke about the book, obviously your community. Um, so what have you noticed? Because obviously we're helping people that are moving abroad. You're helping people that are moving abroad, women that are trying to move abroad after 30. What have you noticed after you've met, hopefully you've met some people or they told you like, all right, now I'm abroad. You know, what, what have you noticed after? What happens to these people after the fact they're, they've done it, they're abroad? What have you noticed? Yes, and I definitely meet, I'm, you know, meet people in my community that have done it, who have moved abroad. And I have to say, you know, while moving abroad is so exciting, um, it is all, not all like unicorns and rainbows. Right. <laughs> <laughs> um, I like to say that hitting refresh is not a one-time act. So I think, you know, the people mm. that I do meet Say that, say that again. Yeah. I love that. You have to, I'm sorry. You got to <laughs> say that again. I just hit me. I'm like, ooh, say that again. <laughs> <laughs> yes, hitting refresh is not a one-time act. Ooh, and, <laughs> I love it, I love it, I love it. Y'all feel that? So uh, that just means that you're going to constantly hit refresh in life. I mean, whether you're moving abroad or not, but once you move abroad, that's not going to solve all your problems, right? If you're unhappy with where you are and you've always dreamed of, I don't know, living in Italy and you move there, that's not going to solve everything. You're still going to have to overcome a lot of obstacles because moving abroad uh, is a big challenge. It really shakes up your life. So all the women that I've met that have moved abroad, 
uh, we do talk about that, you know, how things are not always easy. But I think on the flip side of that, something that we do talk about is just we realize like how capable and how strong we are because um, a lot of these women are doing it on their own. Not everyone in my community is single, but a lot of them are. And so they've made this move and just relied on themselves to figure everything out and to fix everything and to make everything happen. And so while it is challenging and hard, um, also you're going to realize that you are stronger than you could have ever imagined that you are. That's amazing, man. That 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 hit the hit the refresh more. I love it. I love that line. <laughs> stay stay with me. And you said something very important that I wanted to hit on because you know when also as my for myself living abroad, there's a term that you come across. I'm sure you come across the travel the traveling spouse, right? And usually they're yeah. they're referring to a woman that's moving because their husbands work, right? And that of yeah. course that's a reality that happens a lot. But like you mentioned, and I'm glad you you we you noted that there's women doing this on their own. They're not necessarily like, oh, yeah, of course, it's fine if you move because your husband has to move as well. And that might make the process maybe a little bit easier. But it's people that are doing it just on their own and for themselves, right? So talk to me about, about those women in particular that are deciding just for themselves that they need to make this move. What are you noticing in that, in that part of the community? Definitely. Oh my God. These women inspire me every day because we have women from 30 until their seventies that are doing this and they all are doing it for different reasons. Right. So some women may have, you know, spent a semester abroad in college and, you know, had a dream to, to go back, you know, they're now in their fifties and always wanted to live in Paris or some people just realize that there's a possibility for them to do something like this. Or some people, you know, just, um, always, I don't know, study the language and always want to spend time in a country where they could, you know, try that out. And so we have women that, um, you know, that are going through divorces, that are widows, that are empty nesters, along with all the single women who want to make these changes. And I think just, you know, maybe a common thread through all of them is that, you know, they, and while my group is global, I would say the majority of the people in my community are in the U.S. And so we are fed this certain story of what, or picture of what success is. And so a lot of these women have been down this, you know, conventional path of success and whether they're 30, 40, 50, 60 or above, they just realized that it is not serving them anymore. Maybe it never did. Maybe they were chasing someone else's dream mm. or, you know, some, or, you know, society standards of success, but they still felt like that wasn't what they wanted to be doing with their life. And so they've had this pull to go seek out something else, something different, you know, abroad. And, you know, it's scary to make a radical change because a lot of them maybe don't have examples of how to do this or know anyone who has done this, but in the community, they're able to see, you know, examples of that. But I think that's kind of what I I see a lot from the women is that however they're living their life, you know, especially in the U S it's just not working for them anymore. And they're ready to try something different. That's awesome. That's awesome. I mean, yeah, there's, there's so many golden nuggets there, I mean, and I know people are definitely going to love this episode because of the information. And I these stories, guy, go check out the, what's the Facebook page called? Yes, um, she hit refresh. So if you're a woman over 30, definitely join um, our Facebook group. But if you're not, you can definitely tap into a lot of these resources and stories on the podcast, on our website, she hit refresh, on the YouTube channel. So there's a lot of opportunities for people to soak in the information if they're not, you know, in the demographic of she hit refresh. Awesome, awesome. Um, unfortunately, we hit the last part of the, of, the, of the podcast, but I mean, you have, I just don't want to take too much away from the book that you have because people need to get this book oh. and people need to go to the community and, and check it out. But this is going to be the lightning round of questions. Um, okay. So first thing that comes to your mind, you ready? Oh yeah, I'm nervous. Okay, I'm ready. <laughs> you should be. <laughs> All right, here we go. First question. What is the number one 
question that you get from people in your community? Oh, okay. The number one question that I get is how much money do I need to move abroad? <laughs> That's a good one. And a, and a very important yep. one, like you said, finances. All right. What is, what is your favorite question, though? What is your favorite question that you get? Mm, my favorite question that I get. Wow. Okay. The favorite question that I get from my community is... Um, I think when they ask me how how I moved abroad, not because I like to talk about myself, but just because <laughs> I I think I've tried so many different things that I just love to show them that there's no one path to trying to make it work. There's so many different paths that you can take. Love it, love it. Um, what is the number one thing you have noticed from 2017 when you started the page and 2022 where you're like, wow, this is crazy? Yeah, just how many freaking women out there there are that are like me, right? Like, I felt, like, so alone for so long, though. Like, why can't I conform to being, you know, in the box that everybody else is in, that all my friends are in the U.S.? Why can't I just be happy with the 9 to 5 and, and all of that? Um, so, yeah, I'm just, like, so just shocked every every day how many women out there I have the same dreams and, and goals as I do. Awesome. Currently, right now, currently in 2022... What is the easiest country to move abroad to in Europe? Oh, Portugal. Portugal. Uh, and of course, if you want to find out more about that, please check out the book. Uh, what is the hardest country right now to move abroad to in Europe? Oh, it's going to be a few, but I would say the UK and then kind of the Nordic Scandinavian countries. Ah, interesting, interesting. And final lightning round question. And I have one more question after that, but final lightning round question. Where do you want to go? next to if not if not staying in spain oh my gosh i love that <laughs> yes so i mean i see my life in spain but also there's a part of me that would love to hit refresh again so yeah. um, going back I, to that always <laughs> i hope you have that trademark <laughs> <laughs> we're in the process we're in the process <laughs> i got my lawyers on it um you know, I I really would love to spend more time in Asia. Um, so Asia's kind of pulling me. Um, and there's a part of me that would love to spend more time in Latin America too. So I don't know, but I think probably Asia more so. So maybe you'll see me in Asia at some point. Mm, interesting, interesting. And final question, this is not lightning round, just whatever. You take as long as you want to answer this question. What's one last thing that you want to leave with people, in particular, like you said, the women that might be listening to this podcast that are over 30, about, man, should I should I go check out this community? Maybe maybe this is not for me in particular. Maybe it's not for me. What would you say to those women in particular that might be hesitant to try to even do research up, upon this topic moving abroad? Yes. So I would say if you're a woman out there who even has the slightest inkling or idea of what it's like to live abroad, I would say scratch that itch, right? There is no harm in doing a little research and understanding maybe what it would be like to move abroad. You can you know, join my community, talk to other women in there and see what they've done. Talk to them about their fears and hopes and, and their dreams. But I think, you know, if you are getting that idea of wanting to move abroad, it's there for a reason, right? Not everybody wants to move abroad. So not 
everyone's going to consider it. But if you are, definitely scope it out, see what it's about. And if you're concerned about, you know, your age, because when you had asked um, what were some of the um, topics that we talked about in the community, age is also a factor, you know, where women may think that they're just too old to do something like this. And I just really cannot stress enough that you are not too old to change your life in any way. We are always um, at an age where we can change the path that we're on. So there's definitely other women like you and older than you that are doing this out there. So that's what I would tell them. I hope you enjoyed that episode with Seppi. I most definitely did. And that line, yo, uh, I just got to say it again. Hitting refresh is not a one-time act. That is some powerful stuff right there. It really is. It just hits me. Because again, there's going to be moments in your life, whether you're abroad or not, right, that you got to hit refresh. You got to take a step back. That's the perspective. Maybe you have to start from square one in certain aspects of your life. Um, or just taking a step back to take two steps forward. Um, that's such such amazing advice. And it's just a great talking to her. She has great energy, great vibe. And can't wait to check out check out uh, her book and check out the community. Even though, like I said, it's for a little bit a little bit after 30. But again, even some of those experiences that I heard related, I, I can relate to, right? Again, being over 30 or trying something on your own, right? Because again, you might not be able to move abroad through just your job, right? A job that you find that, that does the work for you like I did. You know, in teaching, maybe it's through a various visas, like the 50 visas that she <laughs> that she had to research, which that takes a lot of work. So definitely check out her book called I'm Out of Here. Very easy for me to say as a New Yorker. I'm out of here. <laughs> called I'm Out of Here, an American's Ultimate Visa Guide to Living in Europe. And definitely check out the Facebook community and Instagram community. She hit refresh where if you're a woman over 30, you get a lot of resources. And honestly, if you're a guy too, yo, it supports to try to get some resources on what it's like to live abroad. Uh, if you're trying to get a visa, a digital nomad, or the non-lucrative one that she's currently on, right, in Spain. Um, so yeah, just, just a whole bunch of resources that I think are extremely valuable, um, especially in this time where I feel there's definitely a boom and people wanting to live abroad after the pandemic. But yeah, it was a pleasure talking to Seppi, and I, I'm sure it won't be the last time I talked to her, just great vibes. And definitely check out the Forbes article, which she was featured on, which I'll, I'll post a link on the description of the of the episode. But yeah, it was just great talking to her. Next time on In Living Color Abroad, there will be a solo episode. Um, I cannot disclose what I'll be talking about on this solo episode because I need some external forces to uh, <laughs> make some confirmations so I could fully and 100% uh, discuss what I'm going to talk about. And it should be should be good. Should be good. Uh, so definitely be on the lookout for that next time I release an episode. Um, but yeah, if you like what you hear, please leave a review on Apple Podcasts. Follow me on Spotify and any of your other favorite stream platforms. See you next time. This is A Living Color Abroad. Peace.